0: Welcome to the Theology and Practice Podcast, a podcast that takes theology and applies it to the everyday life. I'm your host, Anthony Kidd, and I want to thank you for joining me in this week's discussion. Welcome back as we continue in our study of John's Gospel. We are in John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30, and we're looking again at John the Baptist's example. During a discussion between the ministries of John the Baptist and Jesus, John the Baptist gives us an example of how we are to point to Jesus with every part of our lives. When we are tempted to elevate ourselves and what we do above the person and work of Christ, John is there to remind us that we must decrease so that Christ can increase. The last we heard about John the Baptist was when he pointed to Christ and declared him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was John chapter 1, verse 29 through 34. Remembering that John the Baptist is writing theologically as opposed to chronologically, we can place this event at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In verse 24, it says that John had not yet been put in prison. Mark 1.14 tells us that John was prisoned near the start of Jesus' earthly ministry, even though there was some overlap between the two ministries. This section can be broken down into two smaller sections. Verses 22 through 26 set up the scene and the story, while verses 27 and 30 give us John's detailed response to his disciples and the example for Christians to follow. We are told in verse 22 that Jesus and his disciples were in the Judean countryside. Along with Jesus and his disciples, John and his disciples were in a nearby area baptizing as well. This was a plentiful area for water, and so this appeared to be a gathering place for baptism. As a side note, John includes the detail that John the Baptist had not yet been imprisoned. This is an important detail that helps us know the timing of these events. Remember Mark one fourteen, where we learn that John is arrested while Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted. When Jesus comes out of the wilderness and goes to Galilee, this is the time that Mark tells us John the Baptist was arrested. It is important to remember that even though John the Baptist has already pointed to Christ as the Lamb of God, he is still a very popular teacher and was well-liked by the people and his disciples. This may be why the discussion between John's disciples and an unnamed Jew are described in verse 25. Many translations call this a discussion, but more than likely, this was an argument between two camps over the topic of purification. Remember back to John 1.25, when John the Baptist's baptism is described as being one with water. That was not meant to be a total cleansing from sin and uncleanness. John would be a baptism of repentance, but he tells of one who would come after him and baptize with water and fire. This baptism was the full baptism of purification from sin and uncleanness. Even though they were discussing the topic of baptism, the deeper cause of the disagreement was likely about authority and the popularity that Jesus and his disciples were garnering. John the Baptist was beginning to fade into the background while Jesus was growing in popularity. This reality probably upset John's disciples, and they wanted to defend their teacher. His disciples remembered that John had already testified about Jesus and wanted to know why his ministry was growing faster and larger than theirs. In their minds, if Jesus was gaining popularity, then naturally they should be as well. This reveals the jealousy and animosity that John's disciples had towards Jesus and his disciples when they say, Look, He is baptizing and all are going to him. This becomes obvious because just a few lines earlier we read that both John and Jesus' disciples were baptizing. So, if John and his disciples were baptizing, everyone was not going to Jesus. It is often the case that when we get agitated with something that is happening that we may not like, we throw out words like always and never in an attempt to bolster our argument. The problem is that when we speak in absolutes like this, we make liars out of ourselves. The Christian life is about pointing people to Jesus. If we miss that, we miss it all. If we surrender that, we have lost. In verses 27 through 30, John gives his response to the assertion from his disciples. In his response, he shows four ways that Christians can keep a properly aligned worldview. We see this in John's perspective, John's pattern, John's pleasure, And John's purpose. Let's break each one of these down. First is John's perspective. John knows and understands the sovereignty of God when he says that men receive nothing except what is given to them from heaven. When we are successful at something, our tendency is to believe that we are the ones who are delivering results. Commentator D.A. Carson says that God's sovereignty stands hidden behind all human claims, for a human being does not have anything but what he has received. John the Baptist shows us the correct perspective that we should have when it comes to our jobs, ministries, school, or any other part of our lives. Everything that happens, whether good or bad, should be seen in the light of God's continued work in our lives. We should remember the words from Matthew sixteen eighteen, when Jesus says that Christ will build his church. The work of the church is sovereignly guided by God. As a church, we must continually to fight against the pressure to believe that we are the ones who are building the church and recognize that it is God's sovereign work. Now let's look at John's pattern. Next, John points to the fact that his disciples recognized that John had already testified about Jesus. Remember back to chapter 1 and John's confession that he was not the Christ. Leading up to that confession, John had been incredibly popular. In modern times, John would have been a megachurch pastor. He would be recognized almost everywhere he went. Then, in the peak of his ministry, he points to Jesus and says, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." That's John one verse twenty nine. In spite of his popularity, John consistently focused on pointing people to Christ. He did that back in chapter one, and he is responding his to his disciples here with the same consistency. John maintains a pattern of pointing to Christ. Next, we see John's pleasure. John then turns to an illustration to demonstrate the point he is making to his disciples. He uses the analogy of marriage and the role of a good friend of the groom to reiterate the role of preparing the way for the Messiah. The friend of the groom is better known as the best man. In this day, it would have been the responsibility of the friend of the groom to make sure that the wedding went off without a hitch. The best man would ensure everyone was in the right place at the right time to make the wedding happen with no issues. This was the pleasure of the friend of the groom. This role is also the pleasure of John the Baptist. The importance of a role like this can be seen in Matthew eleven seven through 11, when Jesus says that John the Baptist is the greatest on earth, but in the kingdom of God, those who are in Christ are even greater. Finally, we see John's purpose. John the Baptist reiterates his purpose once more in verse 30. This is essentially a recapitulation of his original claim in chapter 1. Remember that John said that he was not even worthy to untie the sandal of the Messiah. He lowered himself to a status lower than a slave. Again, D.A. Carson captures this sentiment of John exceptionally well when he writes, In short, John says, he must become greater, I must become less. The must is nothing less than the determined will of God. John finds his joy, not in grudgingly conceding victory to a superior opponent, but in wholeheartedly embracing God's will and the supremacy it assigns to Jesus. A great deal of later Christian piety has turned on this same truth. I want to thank you for joining me for Theology and Practice. Our prayer is that God's Word would penetrate into your heart and continue you on your journey of sanctification as you seek to be more like Christ. theology and practice podcast, a podcast that takes theology and applies it to the everyday life. I'm your host, Anthony Kidd, and I want to thank you for joining me in this week's discussion. Welcome back as we continue in our study of John's gospel. We are in John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30, and we're looking again at John the Baptist's example. During a discussion between the ministries of John the Baptist and Jesus, John the Baptist gives us an example of how we are to point to Jesus with every part of our lives. When we are tempted to elevate ourselves and what we do above the person and work of Christ, John is there to remind us that we must decrease so that Christ can increase. The last we heard about John the Baptist was when he pointed to Christ and declared him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was John chapter 1, verse 29 through 34. Remembering that John the Baptist is writing theologically as opposed to chronologically, we can place this event at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In verse 24, it says that John had not yet been put in prison. Mark 1.14 tells us that John was prisoned near the start of Jesus' earthly ministry, even though there was some overlap between the two ministries. This section can be broken down into two smaller sections. Verses 22 through 26 set up the scene and the story, while verses 27 and 30 give us John's detailed response to his disciples and the example for Christians to follow. We are told in verse 22 that Jesus and his disciples were in the Judean countryside. Along with Jesus and his disciples, John and his disciples were in a nearby area baptizing as well. This was a plentiful area for water, and so this appeared to be a gathering place for baptism. As a side note, John includes the detail that John the Baptist had not yet been imprisoned. This is an important detail that helps us know the timing of these events. Remember Mark 1.14, where we learn that John is arrested while Jesus is In the wilderness being tempted when Jesus comes out of the wilderness and goes to Galilee this is the time that mark tells us John the Baptist was arrested it is important to remember that even though John the Baptist has already pointed to Christ as the Lamb of God he is still a very popular teacher and was well liked by the people and his disciples this may be why the discussion between John's disciples and an unnamed Jew are described in verse 25 Many translations call this a discussion, but more than likely this was an argument between two camps over the topic of purification. Remember back to John twenty five, when John the Baptist's baptism is described as being one with water. That was not meant to be a total cleansing from sin and uncleanness. John would be a baptism of repentance, but he tells of one who would come after him and baptize with water and fire. This baptism was the full baptism of purification from sin and uncleanness. Even though they were discussing the topic of baptism, the deeper cause of the disagreement was likely about authority and the popularity that Jesus and his disciples were garnering. John the Baptist was beginning to fade into the background while Jesus was growing in popularity. This reality probably upset John's disciples, and they wanted to defend their teacher. His disciples remembered that John had already testified about Jesus and wanted to know why his ministry was growing faster and larger than theirs. In their minds, if Jesus was gaining popularity, then naturally they should be as well. This reveals the jealousy and animosity that John's disciples had towards Jesus and his disciples when they say, Look, He is baptizing, and all are going to him. This becomes obvious because just a few lines earlier, we read that both John and Jesus' disciples were baptizing. So, if John and his disciples were baptizing, everyone was not going to Jesus. It is often the case that when we get agitated with something that is happening that we may not like, we throw out words like always and never in an attempt to bolster our argument. The problem is that when we speak in absolutes like this, we make liars out of ourselves. The Christian life is about pointing people to Jesus. If we miss that, we miss it all. If we surrender that, we have lost. In verses 27 through 30, John gives his response to the assertion from his disciples. In his response, he shows four ways that Christians can keep a properly aligned worldview. We see this in John's perspective, John's pattern, John's pleasure, And John's purpose. Let's break each one of these down. First is John's perspective. John knows and understands the sovereignty of God when he says that men receive nothing except what is given to them from heaven. When we are successful at something, our tendency is to believe that we are the ones who are delivering results. Commentator D.A. Carson says that God's sovereignty stands hidden behind all human claims, for a human being does not have anything but what he has received. John the Baptist shows us the correct perspective that we should have when it comes to our jobs, ministries, school, or any other part of our lives. Everything that happens, whether good or bad, should be seen in the light of God's continued work in our lives. We should remember the words from Matthew 16, 18, when Jesus says that Christ will build his church. The work of the church is sovereignly guided by God. As a church, we must continually to fight against the pressure to believe that we are the ones who are building the church and recognize that it is God's sovereign work. Now let's look at John's pattern. Next, John points to the fact that his disciples recognized that John had already testified about Jesus. Remember back to chapter 1 and John's confession that he was not the Christ. Leading up to that confession, John had been incredibly popular. In modern times, John would have been a megachurch pastor. He would be recognized almost everywhere he went. Then, in the peak of his ministry, he points to Jesus and says, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." That's John one verse twenty nine. In spite of his popularity, John consistently focused on pointing people to Christ. He did that back in chapter one, and he is responding his to his disciples here with the same consistency. John maintains a pattern of pointing to Christ. Next, we see John's pleasure. John then turns to an illustration to demonstrate the point he is making to his disciples. He uses the analogy of marriage and the role of a good friend of the groom to reiterate the role of preparing the way for the Messiah. The friend of the groom is better known as the best man. In this day, it would have been the responsibility of the friend of the groom to make sure that the wedding went off without a hitch. The best man would ensure everyone was in the right place at the right time to make the wedding happen with no issues. This was the pleasure of the friend of the groom. This role is also the pleasure of John the Baptist. The importance of a role like this can be seen in Matthew 11, 7 through 11, when Jesus says that John the Baptist is the greatest on earth, but in the kingdom of God, those who are in Christ are even greater. Finally, we see John's purpose. John the Baptist reiterates his purpose once more in verse 30. This is essentially a recapitulation of his original claim in chapter 1. Remember that John said that he was not even worthy to untie the sandal of the Messiah. He lowered himself to a status lower than a slave. Again, D.A. Carson captures this sentiment of John exceptionally well when he writes In short, John says, He must become greater, I must become less. The must is nothing less than the determined will of God. John finds his joy not in grudgingly conceding victory to a superior opponent, but in wholeheartedly embracing God's will and the supremacy it assigns to Jesus. A great deal of later Christian piety has turned on this same truth. I want to thank you for joining me for Theology and Practice. Our prayer is that God's word would penetrate into your heart and continue you on your journey of sanctification as you seek to be more like Christ.